Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean on a special holiday edition. Uh, yeah, we do celebrate the holidays around here, Carlos. I mean, well, look, Carlos probably doesn't want to celebrate the holidays, but we're gonna anyway. Which means that we're gonna come to you a day. We're coming to you a day earlier this week, right? We're coming out on uh, on Wednesday today instead of our normal Thursday because I think Christmas is this weekend. Carlos, are you aware of that? It's basically Ted doesn't want to work. This is really what it boils down to is he wants to weasel out of an extra day of work. So that's that's why we're rushing it. Okay. Well, anything for Ted. And uh, yeah, with with Ted in mind, I mean, I don't know if these subjects uh, matter to Ted, but hopefully they matter to some of you guys, y'all out there, as, as I actually prefer to say. I like the contraction there. Sorry, Carlos. Let's uh, let's let's talk about the Lions' greatest win in the history of the franchise on Sunday, and uh, let's talk about Tiger Woods. And his son, and uh, we'll get into the nature versus nurture argument because his his little fella swings the club a lot like he does. And, I mean, maybe you could say that's practice, but, man, I would argue that's at least partly in the genes. And then we'll get to everybody's favorite subject at least a little bit uh, with the surge in COVID cases and what it's doing in the sports world because right now the wings are shut down through Christmas and we're seeing a lot of cancellations across the sporting landscape. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So we'll get to that. Um and, uh, of course, Carlos's favorite thing. Maybe I'll have a favorite thing. I don't know. But first, Carlos, what the heck was that on Sunday? And, by the way, good column yesterday, man. You you, you are basically arguing it's a statement win. The Lions 30-12 to victory over Arizona. Yeah, it sure was. Um, we all wrote good columns. You you had a nice one, too, um, about, you know, draft position be damned. And that's, this is all about the the current state of what the Lions are doing and, and they need a win and that helps with what they're trying to build Dan Campbell and so forth. And, but it was definitely a statement win because it's, this is a, this is a win that you're going to be able to talk about in the future that, that, and you have these, you know, they have, they have these games, every, every team and every sport has them. The, the, you know, the day we beat this team, the day we overcome came something. And this was a, this was one of those watershed moments as milestone wins where they can say they beat, one of the best teams in the NFC, a Super Bowl contender, I think you call them, um, you know, the Arizona Cardinals. So this was big. I mean, nobody saw this coming. You know, they were 12 and a half point underdogs come into this game and to handle them so roundly, so thoroughly from start to finish um, was really impressive. So it, it, it speaks to what the Lions can be what they might be going forward and there, there's going to be a lot of turnover on the roster next year usually it's about 30 percent. i think with this team it's going to be closer to 40 maybe even upwards of that um and that's that's normal uh for a for a team that's rebuilding but this this speaks to what dan campbell and the coaches have taught what they've preached how they kept that locker room together the players motivated and the players buying in and you know, to some extent, taking ownership of it themselves and saying, hey, we, we want to be better for ourselves, uh, for the team, for our own prospects and free agency or going forward or whatever it might be. So this is a great win for them. And I think they're going to be able to, to look back on this next year and say this is this is kind of where maybe it started. I'm in uh, I'm in complete agreement with you. I can't believe it, Carlos. Real quickly, because I probably just cost Tad some work or maybe there's no room for him. <laughs> to work. But I wrote that your column came out yesterday. And to those of you listening, that would, of course, mean Tuesday. And that's not true. Uh, Carlos's column came out Monday, which he wrote, I'm assuming, we into the hour Sunday night. 
Uh, look, you know, we're thrown off by the holiday a little bit here. So just want to clear that up. Is that all right with you, Carlos? Nobody cares about timestamps and when things come out and when I don't even know when the paper comes out or what's in the paper. Yeah, anymore. but if, I, if, if, the, if, if the two listeners we have out there say, oh, I want to go check out Carlos's column yesterday, they're going to look at Tuesday. So no, now they're going to Google, I hate Carlos Menares and Free Press, and they're going to find my stuff and whatever. And Sean Windsor's a pushover, you know, likes everything. I love basketball, and they're going to find your stuff. So it's it doesn't matter. Dates, times, whatever. Who cares? It's all meaning. Yeah, it's the internet. Yeah, trying to find uh, something decent in, in, in folks is uh, makes you a pushover. I guess, I guess that's true in, yeah, your yeah. Toxic, in your toxic masculinity <laughs> corner of the world. You know what I mean? That's just how this goes. I was watching right? the Grinch. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Hey, but back to the game for a second, man. I, What do you say to the people out there, and you know they're out there, that are going to argue, okay, great, they just ruined their draft position because they're not <laughs> the number one slot anymore. That would go to, uh, I want to say Jacksonville, right? Yep, yep. So, I mean, the, the, the Jets are going to be in there. And, and who knows, if they, if they win another game or two, um, they're really going to fall out of the top, the, the top few there. Um, real quickly, Carlos, I argued in my column yesterday, and I didn't do a deep dive. It was, a, it was a sort of a quick take Carlos-like column. But um, you'd, you'd be surprised. I think three, three of the top picks in the last, since 1999, so what, so what are going back, 22 years, 23 years, only three number one picks have won a Super Bowl. Right, I, you this know what? Is, by the way, I read that. I'm sorry, you you threw David Carr in there. How was David Carr a Super Bowl winner? How because because he's not. But that that's just it's it's a fact, and I didn't want people to call <laughs> him. Well, David David Carr, right? So <laughs> Super Bowl. No, no. Cha- I like when when he charges you know 1999 to speak into the Kiwanis Club. He bills himself as David Carr Super Bowl champion, right? No, for sure. But but it's this idea that you don't have to have the number one pick to to, to win a Super Bowl or get this. You don't have to have the number two right. pick. Off, often, how many drafts we say, okay, the number seven pick is the best guy, the, the, the number yeah. ten pick. I mean, what Aaron Donald, his draft year, where was he taking eleven, whatever? I know that's a little bit more of an outlier, but you can find really good players if you have a top ten pick. The key is you got to. I mean, there are a couple of keys. One, you got to get lucky. You just do. Oh yeah, we've talked about this on this podcast. You and I've talked about this uh, when we, you and I just talk in general about drafts and sports in general. So to get keyed in on that, Carlos. To say that it's going to hurt them, that's ridiculous. They've had the number one pick before, and where has it led? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right about that, and especially this draft. There's no obvious ob- – when we say obvious, right? Nobody knows anything, and you get lucky and whatever, but there's no obvious number one pick, no Trevor Lawrence kind of guy, no Andrew Luck type of guy who is almost a surefire not, – not a Super Bowl champion per se, but a guy who's going to – lead you to sustained victory, sustained success, you know, and I think that's what we're talking about. Like whether the number one pick is going to win the Super Bowl is is ridiculous. You know, you nobody can predict that. But can you have sustained success? And and you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but Matthew Stafford was kind of that player. He gave them a chance. He changed the direction of this franchise from 0 and 16 to making, you know, three playoff runs in 12 years, which wasn't great, but still it was something. So that's what you want. And I think winning a little too much. I don't know how far they would fall exactly, but um, if they happen to win out and they win their last four games, I suppose, I don't I guess they would drop, you know, a few more spots. Um, all that matters really is just, you know, as far as jockeying and trading down and packaging picks and all this kind of stuff. But like we said, there's nobody out there this year who's the clear like franchise savior type number one, number two overall pick out there. So uh, I do think, though, in every draft, what happens is 
quarterbacks move up. The closer you get to late April and to the first round of the draft pick, suddenly suddenly people start thinking, well, maybe these quarterbacks are a little better than we thought. And there's always a run on quarterbacks. It just always happens. People get nervous. They don't like certain. There's disagreement about a, another guy on the, you know, that they're considering drafting. And the quarterback always seems like the the fallback position guy to draft. So um, that's only that's the only thing where it might hurt you if you win too much. But losing this game, being number two, number three in the draft order, no, it's, it's, there's no difference really. No, I don't. I don't think they're even. And even if they win in Atlanta this this coming Sunday, and then in Seattle the following Sunday, which they they could. I mean, you know, you know, right? I mean, neither of those teams are, are are a whole lot better. I mean, and the Lions have shown they can compete with almost anybody. They've been in a lot of in, in most of these games. But even if they do that, Carlos, I still don't think they're going to mess themselves up too much. You st- you still got to evaluate and 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 add in a little bit of luck and see where it goes. I think what you wrote about in the statement win and the culture building. And I know that's a cliche, and I know people get tired of it, and maybe it's not real, and maybe it'll fall apart. But I think that the the, the basis of that, the foundation for that, just matters a lot more. It, it 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 just does, and it carries over. And I know there's a lot of turnover from one NFL from one year to the next in the NFL roster, but there are a lot of people that come back. And uh, you know, may, maybe if there's a little bit of momentum, and you see, God, those guys really get after it. I want to go play there. So maybe you're not going to get a huge name free agent, but you get some smart ones, right? They've, they've had a couple of those signings this year. We saw that Charles Harris yesterday, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think this team is still going to be the kind of team that, you know, you're not going to get any really good creations coming here. It's all going to be about money and opportunity, you know. So this is a team that, it, uh, you know, it's it's the uh, kind of the last refuge for a lot of players, the guys who are, you know, had down years or they've been hurt or they're looking to, you know, get more playing time. Um, you know, it's not going to attract any high. I mean, their their better players that they have are here against their will. Basically, they were traded for, you know, so they acquired them through, um, you know, through arrangements with the team, not because they wanted to sign. So, uh, you know, but, but it will help. It will help a little bit. Um, I think that the Dan Campbell thing, you know, it is real. I think when people come and visit and they talk to, to you know, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and and some of the coaches, I think they're going to find some genuine coaches. Uh, I've gotten that vibe being around the coaches and Campbell, and you know, I think that it seems like the players respond to them. So. Um, that will help. I don't know if next year's quite the year, you know, winning two, three, four games doesn't exactly make you want to jump on board and you think you get, they're not even close to winning a division title. So, um, that may take a little bit longer, but it's part of the process. It's part of the rebuild. So, um, yeah, winning, winning can help that. But I, but, but the other point about winning though, is I think that even though it felt good, I don't think anything really changed about this team. It wasn't like this this team needed a shot in the arm and this team was not the effort was waning and I mean credit to that to the coaches and the players. They were the same they've been the same team from the first game. I mean they have showed the same effort, uh played with the same diligence and 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 the talent may not be there, but they've been the same team. So like another win or two doesn't really mean too much to this team other than making them feel good about themselves, but it doesn't i don't think it um it validates anything i think it just is you know they're the same team whether they've lost or they've won and they've responded really well to all the losing so um good for them i know it feels good everybody feels good about a win but um you know they've been the same team and that 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 speaks more to 
what's going to happen to this team in the future of, of the consistency of their effort um, throughout the season. Yeah, and their their competitive level. And I mean, you and I yeah. were talking about this. You and I were talking about this Sunday at the at the game um, at at some point in the second half. We're kind of like, God, is this this is really going to happen? And and I think I actually wrote about this in in, in the column that ran Monday was at Denver the previous week. They got back in the game in the second quarter, and you're like, wow, you didn't kind of see that coming, and then had a chance to really get into the game in the third quarter, and um, um, Iguabuke had a, a fumble, right? And that led to a Denver score, and it kind of snowballed from there. And Dan Campbell, in the, in the post-game press conference, brought it up, but he was reluctant to bring it up. And you and I were talking about this yesterday, right? He, he didn't want to bring it up because he didn't want to make excuses, and he didn't want to sound like he's whining. And good for him, and, and I certainly understand that. But he did sort of get to the point where he says, so what if we don't fumble? What if we go down and score? Then what happens? Right? And that's, right. A, and that's a fair question. And that may <laughs> sound silly for a 1-11 and one and 11 and 1 team or whatever they were, 1-10, uh, and 10, I guess, during the Denver game, right? Yeah. right? No, 1-11 after the Denver game, sorry. But that, that's, that's a real question, right? Because he knew. He, he knew. he knew what those guys – he knows who they are and what they're capable of. And um, it, maybe it sounded silly a week ago. Well, it sure didn't looking back at it after what we saw yesterday. You know, and, and that's the thing. You look at these games, you watch these games carefully, and they're they're not that far away. There's the play here and there. And the, the NFL is kind of built to be that way anyway, to have close games. But they are have not – they've rarely been blown out and out of games completely. They've had their chances either for good first halves or – some rallies in the second half. So they have been close. And I think with him, you know, you, you definitely look at those kind of uh, uh, unforced errors, right? The, the fumbles, the things that you can avoid as like, man, that's a missed opportunity. We were just, just starting to get some momentum and boom, it all comes apart. Um, And he mentioned that yesterday or on Sunday after the game of how, that didn't let them affect them. You know, they come back and they, they, they you know, Iwe Buke fumbles again. And what happens a couple of plays later, Amani Arawariye, you know, gets a pick and he almost returns it for a touchdown. I think maybe Goff was talking about it, but that resiliency, you know, and I think that's, that's been there. Um, whether they, they haven't always turned in the big plays uh, right away like that, but that effort, the mindset has been there. Um, you haven't heard players getting down on themselves um, hanging their heads, that kind of stuff. You haven't seen that. So, you know, I think that's why Dan Campbell would say, you know, oh, just one little thing here and there, and who knows what could have happened. And he's probably right. Um, but, you know, you can play the woulda, shoulda game all all day long because the other team makes mistakes as well. But, but yeah, in Denver, you know, definitely he probably felt we – it didn't have to be a blowout loss at least. No, for sure. He wasn't saying they were going to win the game, but are we going to be competing in LA? And by the way, the play, the pick that uh, that Amani uh, say his name again. I always trip his tri- or or Orwarie, Common spelling. Orwarie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I um. But the the, the pick he had that wasn't just any pick. He dove. Oh right? yeah. He read that puppy. It, yeah. Uh, he did, and then he dove. It was spectacular, and he rolled, and they get touched, and they race down the uh, you know the sideline for fifty yards and set up a a touchdown pass to the fullback. On the very Kabinda. next play. And, <laughs> yes. There was a fullback tied in. You know, he's been all over the place, right? He's played defense. Then you get, um, I don't know. To me, Carlos, there was a, a little bit of a swag with that, right? You love that word, play, don't yeah. you? You just love uh, that I, word. Oh, my God. There, there, there's, just, there's some confidence. And, and, when, and you can see they were having even a little fun 
which is shocking getting back to the record that they have right we we don't expect it which is why you why you smartly wrote about that i i think uh what they're building and who knows if it's going to sustain itself and i understand anybody's skepticism out there who loves the honolulu blue i do you know right i mean history tells you you should be skeptical but but what we saw yesterday the competitive level we've seen this season carlos the way they're building where they're where they're solid right now up front that feels sustainable a little bit especially on the offensive line they've been able to run no matter who's getting the ball that tells you something right there and then on the defensive line they're 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 decent right i mean you know their defense definitely needs some talent for sure but they're but they're decent and and they've got some physicality up there and and Holmes and Campbell from the start have talked about that and we're starting to see that a little bit and um that what that's what makes me think Carlos Maybe they maybe they are onto something a little bit. We'll see. Don't want to get carried away, but maybe they're onto something. They could be, you know, and they and I think that you know uh, something that that they get a lot of credit. They should get a lot of credit for is their coaching, you know, and they uh, the defensive line has played has played okay. They've played well. Um, Aaron Glenn has been really good about using blitzes. He did a lot of blitzing yesterday, you know, smartly, not just all the time. Um, and they've gotten a lot out of their talent. I think the, the players have responded. Um, you know the some of the some of the coaching the the they've made changes. You know Aaron or uh, Anthony Lynn is no longer the really he's not calling plays for the offense anymore. The tight ends coach Ben Johnson is drawing up more of the plays and and doing more of the scheming. Um, and he's probably going to be you could see him being either in the next offensive coordinator or maybe going on somewhere else. But he's getting some some higher profile I guess attention. Um, that people are noticing so. Uh, the coach, the coaching staff has promised. I think a lot of me was made about this. All, all these former NFL players on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that really matters that much. But regardless of where they came from, they're showing to have talent, to have a connection with the players, and getting the most out of them, drawing up the right kind of game plans. Um, whether the players have been able to execute it all the time is a different question. But you've seen that's been kind of the glue, I think, for this team, um, and that's why I think. They can it can be sustainable because you can have the right, you know, ideas for for guiding this team, whether it's on the you know offensive line, defensive line, and the secondary. And they were so outmanned in the secondary, um, and still somehow contained Kyler Murray. I mean, it was a thoroughly impressive effort all the way around. No, it was Murray was under pressure the whole game. And speaking to the coaches and the and 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 Johnson and uh, Campbell calling the plays and some of the creativity we're seeing the, the touchdown to uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, right, where he kind of leaked out. I think he described it in the post-game news conference, but he 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 got on a block maybe and he leaked out sort of down the seam and Goff had to step up under pressure and then fling it. But it was just – it was a great design and it was really it was, it was was really nice to watch and um, I'm sure it was really fun to execute for them. But, but we're seeing a little bit of that here and there and it just sort of speaks to what they're doing. But listen, Carlos, uh, who knows? Maybe they get blown out the next few weeks and we look like a couple of idiots <laughs> – <laughs> Not that we need any help looking like that, but uh, and and we're right back to where we started from. But I, I'm with you, man. They they feel a little bit different. Uh, Sunday's victory over Arizona felt like it was more than just that victory, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. We uh, we'll get back to your favorite subject when we come back. How about that, Carlos? Golf. Yes, That's please. It. Sound good. All right, it's all time. Right. Okay, it is time. We'll take a quick break and be right back. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press, and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. 
I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Um, Folks and Carlos, you're a folk, right, Carlos? (laughs) I'm getting uh, blasted with the text messages here from my brother who's still still hot that Kenneth Walker the third did not make the Heisman <laughs> trip to uh, New York and he he heard on the podcast I one of our previous podcasts where we talked about it a little bit and that I have a Heisman vote and he wanted to know who I voted for and I told him and now he's even more mad because <gasps> you know, uh, right yeah I can say it now because I put Hutchison in there but I did vote for Walker you know I had him in, I had him on my top three so he's been going back and forth and it's funny how emotional that is and you know the blue wall and the green wall and all that but this stuff just will not go away carlos it it won't and i know we need to talk about tiger but i just wanted to mention today real quickly how emotional this still is well i think i think in the peach bowl he kenneth walker is really going to show himself to be the heisman trophy candidate (laughs) that he he deserved to be right Oh, you are so old school. You you can't blame these guys for skipping their bowl no. games. Come on, no, man. no, 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 no. I totally. I mean, yeah, he'd be a fool to play. So, yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. No, for sure. And when's the last time a Heisman Trophy winner won the Super Bowl, Sean? That's what I want to know. Yeah, right. No, that's that's a that's a great question. Well, uh, well, hey, look, we, we we got plenty of time to get into the blue wall, the green wall, if there isn't such a green wall and all that stuff. It's fun. It's always the there. green so couch. Yeah, the green couch is what makes this stuff so fun. But let's get to your sport, man. Speaking of green and green grass, <laughs> green what you, money. What, what do you play on? Bermuda, fescue, po, poe? Is it poe? I, I don't poana. No, those are the greens. Poana, I, poana, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not. A, I'm not a grass nerd. Come on, man. Okay. Well, look. Tell tell us what happened this past weekend at the at the PNC Championship with Tiger Woods and his son Charlie. Yeah, Tiger. Tiger uh, played his first uh, tournament or public, you know, golf tournament around whatever that the people could see since he had that horrific uh, accident in February out in L.A. And uh, it was the first time that we've seen him, and he was struggling, you know, uh, physically. But he played with his son Charlie. It was a it was an unofficial event, just a, you know, father, uh, players and family members, fathers, sons, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he made some good swings. Um, his kid, Charlie, 12 years old, really played well. Um, probably like a scratch golfer or something at this point. But um, it, it was good to see Tiger. And, you know, there's so much, I mean, the, the, the whole history of who Tiger is and all the stuff that's happened. And unfortunately, more of it bad than good in the later part of his career. Um, you know, it, it's, been, it's been hard, you know, if you've been a Tiger fan. Um, and, you know, he talked about that his leg, his right leg had so many severe injuries that, I mean, amputation was a possibility even, and you could see him struggling and, you know, he hit some shots and he kept saying he was really tired and he got in a golf cart. It was an unofficial event, so he didn't have to walk the whole thing. It was 36 holes, um, two day event. So he, you know, he was able to, to get in the cart and, but you could see, you know, and he wasn't 
he wasn't trying to pretend that he wasn't hurting. Um, and you could see his swing is different and even talked about the power isn't there, of course, because you push off your right and all that stuff. But um, so it was good to see him. Um, he had fun with his kid and we have no idea when he's going to come back. And he did say that he's probably doesn't see himself being a full time tour PJ tour player again. He kind of interesting thing is kind of compared himself to Ben Hogan when Ben Hogan had the horrific injury when he when a bus hit him um, back in the I think it was the 50s or so. And um, and he had to curtail his schedule because he just it was just too much physically for him to, to play full time on the tour. So this could be the end. I mean, we and, and Tiger has been kind of, you know, pulling back, scaling back in the last few years. He's 45. He's going to be 46. Um but this could be it, you know, like we're just not going to see Tiger anymore on a full time, anything close to a full time schedule. But uh, but it was good to see him out there, you know, the, a little bit of the old Tiger wearing the red shirt. So uh, and his son was wearing the red shirt. So it was, it was really cute. So, um, yeah, encouraging a little bit. Does it. Um, well, first of all, do you, do you think he will come back? Because he, he said he he said he wasn't ready to compete with these guys. Right. I think it was the quote. Right. He. And obviously he's not the, the the top the top flight guys, but do you think he will get back out there and be able to actually compete at that level again? Oh yeah, I think I think he'll try. I mean, I think he'll you know knowing how Tiger is, you know, and he's always considered himself this really determined competitor, you know, and and I think it will be a focus of him trying to get back. I, he's going to play another PGA tournament. I mean, he will. He's. He's tied. I mean, I don't know how much this really matters. I don't think he said it said it specifically, but he's tied with Sam Snead for the all-time uh, uh, number of PGA Tour wins at 82. So I'm sure he wants to to have that record to himself. Um, it may not be touched, so I'm sure he'd like to do that. He won't catch Nicholas in the majors. That's a whole different story. But to get out there on a, a course he likes, you know, the, as they say, you know, the courses that fit their eye, a place he feels comfortable, he might return. Um, I can see him doing that. Whether he's going to win anytime soon would be a whole different thing. But if he can compete, and I think he's not going to go out there until he feels he can compete, which means have a chance to make the cut and not embarrass himself and all that. Um, so he will. I, I have almost no question. But how sustained that is, how often he's going to play, how well he's going to play, that's a whole different question. But I would bet I would bet the house he will play another PGA tournament for sure. And probably sooner rather than later um he's also kind of a, a busybody not a busybody but a, he's not a homebody he's not a guy who sits around and relaxes and does nothing you know he's he always has to keep busy somehow so i think it's that inactivity probably for him is a little bit unsettling so i would imagine we'd see him soon at some point so so when you when you watch charlie woods play <clears throat> tiger said he's 12 right yeah 12 okay you watch him not just play, but specifically when you're watching swing, which I guess is in golf, really all you do. When you watch him, besides walk, when you watch him, when you watch him swing, what, what do you see? And 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 do you find that uncanny? How much it looks like his dad's swing? The, it it this it, this it's the swing, but it's also the mannerisms. It's the yes. weird. I mean, I, I was watching a cut up of the videos. If you just, it's so easy. If you just Google, you know, anything with Charlie Woods and whatever, you'll see it. 
And a lot of the places did like these side by side comparisons. One of the weird things is when he does these little fist pumps, and everybody uh, everybody remembers this big the big gesticulations that Tiger had after he'd make a big putt or whatever. But he also used to do this little like short punch, like a jab, kind of in the stomach, kind of a thing. And not a lot of players do that, but Tiger did that. And Charlie does it too. And I don't know how much of it is him watching his dad and watching him and wanting to, you know how kids are, you know, they get obsessed and they copy and copy and copy, whatever it might be, you know, any player, favorite players, uh, swing. I'm sure there's kids right now practicing Fernando Tatis's bat flips, you know, I mean, that's just how they are. And I think that, and Tiger had so much, so many specific things that you could emulate. Um, so I think that it, it it's, it's probably somewhat nature, but somewhat nurture too. And then he's worked on it himself and definitely with the swing. I'm sure he's had, I mean, the, the best coaching you can find and you know, why not model your swing after your dad's swing? You know, it's, it's worked pretty well for him. Um, so yeah, it is, it is kind of weird to see a kind of a little mini tiger out there. <laughs> it is. It just, it's, when I watch him, it's like so many other things. When you see a parent, a child, you, when you're thinking about how a child learns and becomes who they are, I mean, obviously they're their own person and no person's identity is the next, but God, the, the influence of, of genetics, right? The influence at the cellular level, it's really, really something when you see an example that's that, that's that striking, especially in the popular culture, because Tiger has been part of our public life for, for so long, going back to the, to the mid nineties, really 95, right? I want to say is when he kind of hit the scene. I know he won the Masters and really hit the scene in 97. I don't know, maybe even before 95, Carlson, when he was one in the U.S. Amateurs. Uh, 90, what, three, four in, in those years. So how long is that? We're, we're talking about almost 30 years. Yeah. Carlos. Yeah, he's been around a long time. You know, let's let's not forget. I mean, the one thing about the golf swing is you can emulate it. I mean, Tiger had the same coach, Butch Harmon, who coached Adam Scott and they had almost, you know, it's a white guy from Australia, but they had identical swings for a while because they had the same coach, the same swing coach. So, you know, you get these, these guys can be, they're, they're so good. They're like robots. Um, so they, you put them on swing monitors and video and all that, and they can mimic almost any swing if you tell them and they listen to you. But, um, do you think yeah, it was the same swing with Adam Scott? Cause yeah, I, always oh, thought exactly. it was, I thought it was exactly. more the, the follow through a little bit and the pace of it. No, 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 no. It was carbon copy. It was eerie. Um, they would do it on golf channel stuff all the time. They'd put them side by side on and they'd show and it was the same thing. Um, I mean, all the other stuff was a little bit different, the chipping and the pitching and whatever, the the the, the short game stuff, the sand game. But but yeah. the full swing was the same thing. Because I don't remember it being quite as violent. Maybe I'm just thinking more of a younger Tiger. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely his the first incarnation of Tiger's swing because he changed it several times over the years. But uh, when Tiger was first with Butch Harmon, and then when Adam Scott was first with Butch Harmon, they had the same the same swing. So you can teach you can teach a kid to have a certain kind of swing, and maybe that's what's happened with Charlie. Is like, listen, copy your dad, and yeah. uh, you yeah, know, right. why not? Yeah. Although yeah, right. the one thing with Tiger's swing, I mean, the current one is not too bad, but the early one was too much torque, and that's why he always had knee problems because it was so much violence. Um, on his knees that it just wasn't sustainable. And that's why he changed it. But Yeah, no, so he could elongate his career for sure. Right. Yeah. Or lengthen or lengthen, you know, if you want to play copy editor. Yeah. Yeah. Would would that work? Okay. <laughs> Let's call Owen Davis. Yeah, no, it, I think it I mean it'd be a great story. Obviously he can get back to a PGA tournament. I mean who knows if he could win. Maybe he'll have a Phil Mickelson 
type moment. That's the thing about this sport. Guys can uh, guys and gals can play it way beyond what we think uh, is you know somebody's athletic prime. Although who knows with what Tom Brady's doing in the NFL. By the way, his uh, his Tampa Bay team got shut out last weekend. So I don't know. Maybe that's the end of him in your in your hot take world. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, the thing with Tiger, and I, I, I always questioned, I know uh, our old boss, Dave Robinson, I, I once wrote that, you know, he was not going to catch Jack Nicholas in the majors, and um, and Dave got really mad at me. How can you say that? And I said, well, the problem with Tiger was always just that it was the mileage. You know, it, it wasn't just that he, you know, he started, he was playing very competitively at a very young age and with that swing, and it's all biomechanics. And part of it's just, you know, luck with physiology, but you know, the, these other guys, the VJ, the VJ Sings, the Ernie L's, the Phil Mickelson's, they don't have that swing that Tiger had, you know, that, that torquey violent swing. Um, and they didn't play as much as he did when they were three years old playing in tournaments, you know, whatever it was. Um, muscle so, memory, muscle memory, but it's just too much mileage, you know, sometimes, um, and I thought that was going to catch up with Tiger, and and it did um, to some extent. I mean, this this accident doesn't have you know anything to do with it, but but you just saw you know the back problems, the knee problems, the leg issues, the you know everything. It's just he's been. I mean, you would see Tiger every every year. He, every time he played, you'd see more and more you know uh, bandages and tape on his fingers, from, on his joints and stuff. And um, you know, gol- golf is still pretty much a young man's game. The, the courses are so long these days. I mean, guys like Phil Mickelson winning a major at fifty one. You know, I mean, that's that's an incredible feat. It's just not going to happen. You know, regularly probably. But the guys are taking better care of themselves nutritionally physically all that stuff um and tiger gets credit for that because he was at the forefront of that um you know so you know it's it's it, unfortunately i think the time has passed for tiger he's not going to get younger you know he can't get healthier his, his body isn't going to get you know stronger and you know whatever more resilient so he i think he's smart he's saying you know i got to pick and choose my spots and he can i mean the one thing with tigers don't ever count him out you can't count him out the Masters will always be a tournament that he'll have a chance because he knows the course so well, and that's all about strategy. Um, and you can miss, and he misses a lot, but he's able to recover there because he's so smart and experienced. But other places, U.S. Open, you know, maybe the British because you can play on the ground there, but um, it's going to be tough. But I, I think that Tiger would relish the thing that probably is going to keep him going more than anything is the idea of one day holding up a trophy and especially a, a major championship trophy working toward that, you know, the, the redemption he's going to get from that of being able to say, I've come back from possibly losing my leg to, you know, uh, becoming a champion again. I think that's something that's really going to drive him. Well, I would think just even hearing the starters, starter call his name out right at a regular pga tour event that in itself will be a huge story yeah and uh we 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 love those kind of redemptive stories in this country and uh you know if that happens we will we will certainly look forward to it well carlos i hope you're i hope you're happy we got to talk golf we did we we avoided uh hockey and we talked golf so uh mission accomplished on yeah we 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 got to talk golf and now we're going to take a break and then come back and talk about something um you know that's even more fun than golf (laughs) In COVID, in COVID, look, we're not going to get political, please. We're not, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. We're not scientists. We're not doctors. We're just going to kind of take a quick recap of the the havoc that the virus is starting to wreak in the sports world. And uh, 
hopefully we we can uh, survive that and not have a shutdown like we did a, you know almost two years ago we will be right back hello I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Hey, folks, welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. God, I hate to do this to our listeners, Carlos, because people are sick and tired of COVID. They're tired of the pandemic. They're tired of thinking about masks and and booster shots and surges and variants and Delta variants and Omicron variants. And what's going to, you know, what's going to be next? Is anything going to work? And by the way, why are games starting to get shut down again, right? The, The Detroit Red Wings announced what, yesterday? Sorry. Sorry, Ted. The Detroit Red Wings announced uh, recently announced recently announced uh, um, that they're not going to play until December 26th. There were already five NHL teams that had had uh, decided to shut down. There are a couple of NBA teams that haven't played in a minute in the last what Carlos three weeks, four weeks, close to more than 50 NBA players have tested positive in COVID protocols. It's more than 60-some in the NFL, right? I mean, you know, fortunately, these guys aren't getting – they're not getting sick, at least as far as we know, not really sick, and that, and that's great. And there's probably some science and uh, and some reasoning behind that. We don't need to get into that. But but what do you think's going on here, Carlos? Are you, are you – let me just ask you this. Are you worried – that we're headed for a massive shutdown again. Yeah. So, uh, what are you? What are you thinking? Are you? Are you feeling? Does it feel familiar? Of course. Depressingly familiar to where we were. Yeah, it's it's happening again. You know, the, you know, with the new variant. Um, I don't know what the statistics are for how many people have gotten boosters. You know, what the vaccine rate vaccination rate is now um, compared to, I guess, before the fall, before the season started, um, especially among the athletes. But yeah, I mean, there's only you listen, I, you know, what what really feels like needs to happen is they need to stop. They need to stop having, you know, uh, uh, play or fans go to games I and mean, they need to start shutting things down again. But it's politically a difficult thing to do. You know, um, the only two states that are really getting away with it in a wholesale you know, ways are New York and California. Um but everybody else, I mean, I don't know if you, you probably don't like fun things, so you're not a comedy fan of Saturday Night Live, but they had to shut down their their <laughs> production. Um, yeah, it was it was, it was was sad. They had to come on. It was really weird. They just had to switch it. They sent, I think, three or several cast members home, and they, uh, they had to do some old sketches, and they had to tape some sketches. So it, it was really, it was one of the weirder television events I've ever seen. Um, 
and I think people just, you know, I think you wrote it about it in your column and, and you said there's fatigue, you know, people are tired of it and everybody's tired of it. Everybody's tired of wearing masks, of the vaccines, of boosters, of uh, not, you know, seeing each other at the holidays, not getting together. Everybody's tired of it. We're coming up on two years. But unfortunately, you know what? Uh, viruses don't really care what you're tired of. And we have to, we, you know, you, you can take precautions but there's only so much you can do with this. When you have such proximity, you have players contact sports. What are you going to do about that? You know, as much as like the, the Lions talked about it, you know, they split the team, the, the facility in half, the team in half, try to segregate people as much as possible. And they're still getting sick, um, you know, and then you have basketball coming up. And I think we're going to I really dread and I know you are going to dread this March Madness. You know, when the tournament starts, are we going to have a tournament? Are we going to have, you know, conference championship tournaments, you know, conference tournaments? So that's the thing that's going to suck because that's the next sporting event that we're really looking forward to. But, um, well, what about the college football playoffs, right? I mean, I know we're we're probably, I mean, that's not going to get canceled. But your point about March Madness is a good one. Are we going to, I mean, because last year we, there were limited fans. It was all in Indianapolis to limit the travel. The teams were all in a bubble. I mean, you could absolutely see that happening again if these variants start to get out of control. I mean, in, I think a lot of people are worried too, and rightly so. And sometimes the science has been confusing. I don't know that the scientists are necessarily confused, but the dissemination of it sometimes is. Um, there's also some politics involved, but just just this idea that these leagues are largely vac- vaccinated, right? One player in the NHL is not vaccinated, happens to play for the Red Wings. <laughs> you know, the NFL is almost 100%. The NBA is almost 100%, and, and it's spreading like crazy. And, um, you know, the, the good news is it, it keeps you from getting as sick. So you don't end up in the hospital. And maybe maybe some would argue, well, they're young professional athletes. They're not going to get that sick anyway. And obviously there's some truth to that. But I, I don't know, Carlos. I uh, I sure hope we don't have to get back. Because you're right. But Saturday Night Live, I mean, there, there, I read a story the other day. Some Broadway shows were starting to get shut down, right? Yep. yep. And, and, that, and that's going to be every. We were at Ford Field Sunday, and we were in mass for the first time in a couple of months, right? Yeah, because the NFL is changing its protocols, and and maybe and maybe if it's just the masking and the distancing and and that kind of thing, we can still kind of go about everything more or less. We'll be fine. We've we've learned a lot. I don't think there's a political will out there, no matter what your politics are, to start shutting everything down again and having harsh not but not harsh but strict mandates. Right? I mean, we haven't heard we haven't heard even even the most left leaning governors, like California, for example, they're not they're not shutting their um. Their arenas down, their stadiums down yet, and I don't. And I think they're probably going to try to do everything they can to keep that from happening. You know, yeah. not, we're not we're not Canada, my man. In Toronto, the Toronto Raptors, uh, they had a game over the weekend. I want to say they played the Golden State Warriors, and they limited their capacity to half the fans. Canada's a little bit different than we are. You know, is that a good? Uh, you when you say we're not Canada, man, is that good or bad? I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, Poutine. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, that's what I was say. What do you have against it's, Poutine? It, it, it's not. It's not Canada. No, that's that's a, a, an easy <laughs> an easy stereotype. That's that's terrible. <laughs> no, Canada. Canada's a beautiful place and a wonderful place. And uh, you know, we're a little tougher. Can we say that? Tougher. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I, I don't, don't know. know if, I don't. Know I don't know if we tougher. can say that. No, we can't. I'm I'm kidding. Okay. We're, we're, we're the, the the idea that anybody. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm, go I'm go bear hunting in the northern territories and yeah, tell exactly. me who's tougher. <laughs> yeah, or go hunting for maple syrup. Even that's hard, right? In, <laughs> in, in, in snowshoes in the woods of Ontario or Quebec, actually. No, 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 no. I, uh, I I I'm 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 kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just uh, I don't think we our political system is going to allow 
for uh, for any of that just yet. I mean, it's going to have to get pretty bad before we start really shutting things down. It's it's everything. I mean, it's the it's politics, but it's also obviously the economy. You know, it's always tied to the economy and absolutely and and that's that's hard. You know, and you just you just you know you just you just hate. You hate to see anything happen. You hate to see the businesses close and people lose their jobs and you hate to see people get sick. And, uh, you know, it's it's such a difficult landscape to negotiate. And we've been here before. The, The one thing and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but, you know, as you and I know, we were at the Lions game yesterday and they had for the reporters, there was a protocol and then they changed it. And, you know, to me, it's just listen Let's just do everything virtually. If you don't have to do anything in person, let's do it virtually. We know we can do it. If there's an option to do it, you know, um, let's just let's just be safe. Let's be let's take as many precautions as we can. If you don't have to travel, don't travel. If you have to, you know, whatever it is, the little sacrifices I think sometimes can add up. And hopefully that's something that staves off having to shut down the economy and and, and have these mandates and everything. Um, you know, and I think, unfortunately, I mean, to me, you know, I know this is my business, you know, in sports, but I don't think going to sporting events is a necessity. You know, I mean, it it, it hurts, obviously, for attendance and sports are a business, but it's not a necessity. Concerts are not necessities, you know, right now. Um as we are going into the the teeth of winter and flu season and virus season, you know, like I'm just worried about it. I, I wish we'd practice a little bit more uh, caution to avoid a, a, a larger scale shutdown again. But I don't know if you can get people to agree to that. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I, I mean, who knows? We may be headed for some of that. Hopefully not. Hopefully with uh, the continued booster shots or at the very least just sort of masking and and that sort of thing in places because it does make a difference, obviously, right? And nothing, nothing makes all the difference. I, mean, I think we've established that. We know that. That's true of almost anything in life. There's no one thing. But uh, what we've learned, how to navigate, you know, balancing out public health versus uh, the economy and the effects of that and, and all of the dominoes of lost wages and jobs and the, psycholo- the, the, the public health issues for that. So it's – it's an unenviable position for the folks that are trying to make these decisions. And um, it's nice to see, it's smart to see the leagues kind of postponing games temporarily, trying to get this under control, putting people in protocol for a little bit, but also to keep going. And, uh, and, and maybe, they, maybe they will kind of figure this out on the fly. That's, that's what I hope for, Carlos. Now, let me ask you, Sean, what's, uh, if you can, you're, you're, you're king of COVID, you're king of the world. You're, you're, and you're, I know you think yourself as the king of the world anyway. but No, you're, not you're, at all. I, you know, Magic Genie comes out. Sean, you're the king of the world. Uh, you can save one sporting event, one thing in from like in the spring, like in, for all the next year. So opening day or NBA playoffs or NHL playoffs. They, they play hockey playoffs, by the way. Um, and uh, March Madness, something like that. You can save one event, one kind of like playoff or one kind of sporting event. What, what do you save? Oh, that's a, I mean, the. The uh, the soft enemy would say, okay, what affects the most people? So you know, we want to have opening day for baseball, right? Because that's no. that more more probably more people probably go to those stadiums than any other. Um, they're they're bigger places than hockey and basketball arenas. Um, on the other hand, I would I would probably argue the March Madness because a lot of those players don't, and that's their shot, right? The senior seasons they. They don't get to have that back. At least mm-hmm. with the pros, they can come back. So that's probably would be my choice. 
Yeah, I think nothing, nothing sort of like grips our attention like March Madness in this country. You know, it's such a it's such a great tournament. It doesn't last that long. It's one and done. Um, it's a lot of fun. So, and and, and it, I, if we, you know, as you were you were there right at the Big Ten uh, tournament, the big you know when when it all happened when they got when it got shut down. I was. So I was. I always think of that now. Every time I think of the start of COVID, I think of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, no, that's I was in Indianapolis and it was weird that Michigan came out. I think Rutgers to warm up and they got pulled and then the world shut down. Right? It was, it was, it was really, really something. Hopefully, we're not headed back there, Carlos. So, Carlos, um, can we change the subject, please? We, we've talked about this enough. Nobody wants to hear this anyway. Uh, we need to wrap this show up for one for the for the one listeners that's still out there with us patiently, <laughs> patiently, patiently listening. They clicked off with COVID. They're done. Yeah, no. Well, they probably clicked off the minute they heard my voice. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame him. Oh, uh, sorry, Anjanette. I'm not trying to get. I'm not trying to get rid of listeners. I hadn't mentioned her yet, by the way. So, you know, we, we, it's we late. Gotta, it's late in the show to mention Anjanette. Yeah, I know. We got. We got to bring. We got to bring her in here because hopefully she's out, she's out there listening somewhere. Um, so quickly, quickly, quickly. What's your favorite thing? Quickly. Wow. Okay. Um, so my favorite thing is that uh, Christmas is coming up, and. My kids are older, not as old as your kids, but they're they're up there. They're teenagers. And, you know, anybody who has kids and who, you know, when they become teenagers and, and so forth, they stop wanting things the way they did when they were little kids. You know, all the little toys and they're really looking forward to something. And um, it, it's not it doesn't have that magic. Right. Anticipation. But um, so there's a new I know, I know your life is all about video games, Sean. So I know you know what the PlayStation 5 is, Sony PlayStation 5. It's the hot video game that nobody can get. And because uh, of whatever, you know, supply chain things and chip shortages and whatever. But there was there's someone I work with, a fellow reporter, and um, he wanted to get one for his seven year old son. And he's just having a really hard time. And I happen to have. We have had video games in the past, the, the previous PlayStation. And apparently when you drop enough money, as we have over the years on, on their video games and stuff, uh, I guess you get some kind of preferential treatment and you can move ahead of the line and actually buy one um, if you put your name in some kind of lottery thing or whatever. And I was able to get one and I was able to give it to him, you know, just sell it to him at whatever I paid, you know, the retail price, which is a great deal. And he was telling me about how much his son was going to be excited and looking forward to it. And it just made me happy to be able to be a little part of that of like, oh, man, I wish I, I could just remember, like, if there had been some hot toy, when my kids were seven and someone was able to help me score that toy, whatever, it would have been you know awesome. And I remember how much our kids loved those kind of big presence, whatever, when they were that young. So I was really happy to be able to, to help a, a kid have like a nice surprise. Um, and I won't mention any name so that in case the kid watches our podcast, you know, maybe he'll, he'll, the, the, the thing would get spoiled. So, um, yeah, so that was my favorite, my favorite thing this last week. Well, that's a, that's a beautiful thing, Carlos. I wish I were not nearly as, um, self well, selfish as you are, I guess, because <laughs> my favorite things are more about me, but I don't know. I mean, it's okay if you want to sit there and pat yourself on the back of how, about how generous and big hearted you no, are. No, but that's isn't that like that is the but that's the thing about gift giving. Really, it's no, it's, no, it, it's no, selfish because it, it makes you feel good. It, it's, it's absolutely true. It's it, the, the minute you're past, you know, what twelve, you you start to uh, what's the age? Eleven, twelve, thirteen. You start to realize it's a whole lot more fun to give gifts. I mean, it's a cliche, yeah. but it's true. It's true. When you're really young, you know, screw that, right? You want the gifts. And, of course, yeah. 
Yeah. And, and you should, and it's fun. But uh, no, there, there's, yeah, of course. There's nothing like making somebody else happy, just in general, giving them a gift, giving them time, helping them out in some way, you know, cooking them uh, fried chicken, Carlos. One day, Sean, one yeah. day, one day uh, it's going to happen. E- eggs, Benedict, whatever it is, whatever it is you want. <laughs> Real quickly, my, my, my favorite thing is just uh, this past week was I traveled, um, I want to say nine or 10, 10 weekends this past fall. It was just, it was an unusually busy fall. The kind of, the, the kind of the way things fell between, between the Lions and Michigan, Michigan State football. And uh, I think I even went out once for the big 10 media for college basketball, but they were all relatively quick trips and I love doing it. I love seeing the country and it's an adventure. I love meeting people, um, especially with the world opening up back up a little bit. It's funny. We're just talking about that. It was, this fall is a little more open and it felt about normal. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I really do. But, Carlos, I was I got to not go anywhere this past weekend. I mean, I joined you at the Ford Field for the Lions game, and that's always fun. But on Saturday, I you know it was first Saturday I was home and on a long, long time, and just got to kind of chill out and not. Well, I did write a column, so I guess that that a very crappy column, but so another that, column that, plug. Yeah, so that that counts. Uh, it was actually the COVID column, but but still to to be able to stay home and just breathe and um, look around look around Michigan and where I live and, and that kind of thing. It's, it, it was nice. It was, what'd it you was, do? Well, what was, was your favorite really thing nice. on Saturday there with your time off? What was your favorite thing? Uh, doing nothing. No. Absolutely. Oh, I wrote the column, but other than that, doing nothing, I maybe did a chore or two, but just, it's just chilling, not having to worry about going anywhere. And, uh, and don't get me wrong. I really enjoy traveling. It's, oh I yeah. Love, oh, you're an animal. No, no, no. I know we've established that. I love seeing the country. I love getting out and, um, and meeting and, and yeah, that's great. And, you know, my mother was like that. I'd probably get that from her. Speaking, we were talking earlier about Tiger and Charlie. Well, you know, I got that from my mom. She loves seeing the world, and I do too. But there's a, a nice nice time to stay home too, right, Carlos? Yeah, and you got all the Delta miles, so you'll be able to go to Hawaii in January. No, That's I, nice. I don't. Yeah, going back and forth to Indianapolis, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I've, been to, I've been to Indianapolis seven times since March, which actually I, I really enjoy Indianapolis. It's a, a nice, it's an underrated city in a lot of ways, but no. I know that's your stick, you know, points and bells and whistles for travel and all that. No, 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 no. It was just nice to be home. How about that, Carlos? That okay Absolutely. I'm, I'm, by the way, I am right there with you because I'm my, one of my greatest gifts is doing nothing. So I totally enjoy that whenever I get to be home and, and just have quiet and nobody bother me. So, yes, I'm right there. I totally understand. I don't travel nearly as much as you do. So I'm glad, Sean. You should. You deserve it. You, you've had a long, busy fall. So, uh so enjoy the relaxation, and it's not going to last long. No, we're gonna we're gonna ramp up here soon. Hopefully, the world will uh, the virus will. Well, it's not going to cooperate, but hopefully, we can manage it all right. And uh, we're gonna have lots to talk about, man. We're gonna get back into college football. That's for sure. We got a a couple of big games. One huge game. Sorry, Michigan State, but yeah, Michigan semi game is <laughs> that's just the way it is. So we uh, we got what Christmas coming up before we talk again, right, Carlos? Yes. But uh, we will talk. We're going to talk between Christmas and New Year's. I think so. It's up to. Are we going to? Are we going to take a week off? It depends on how much Tad wants to take time off and be lazy. Okay. So we have okay. to. He, you know, and how much Anjanette just tells him he can't. So okay. All right. Well, we'll see what the schedule brings. If we're back, we'll obviously preview and get into the Orange Bowl with Michigan and and, and Georgia. If uh, for some reason the holiday schedule keeps us apart, we will uh, absolutely be back to break it down. Right. Maybe yes. even the night, maybe even the night of the game or the next morning or, or something. So yeah, absolutely. We'll 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 figure something out. In that in that uh, in that case, though, Carlos, I think that's it for today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been it a pleasure, has been. Son. It's it's been great as always. 
Thanks for you, you've uh, thanks. mentioned your column five or six times. It's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but I've never mentioned what it's about. I've said they're bad and people don't read them, so I don't I don't get it. What's the problem? <laughs> it was stripped across the top of the Sunday Free Press. Come on. No, I don't I don't remember that. Well, listen, man, it was a pleasure. Uh, I want to thank you uh, as always for riding uh, riding in this with me. You, you you I mean, you are the first on the masthead, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. We want to thank Ted Davis for producing. We don't uh, do any of this without him. We want to thank Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford, the executive producers, and of course Peter Batia, the executive editor of the Free Press. Look, if you if you listen to this show and you you like the show, or even if you hate it but you still listen, well, thank you for hate listening. Uh, you you can you can uh, rate us. You can subscribe at wherever you find your your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you name it. There are all sorts of possibilities out there. But just uh, you know, tell us what you think. And, uh, and Carlos will do his best to whip me into shape, and we will do our best to uh, improve the listening experience. Again, thank you for taking the time this week, and we will talk to you soon.